name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. and praise 
Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. second Sunday after the Epiphany, the Old Testament lesson from the 62nd chapter of the prophet Isaiah, verses 1 through 5. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. 
You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle lesson from the twelfth chapter of First Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
we stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o We confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
second chapter of St. John, John writes, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. This is our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friends in our Lord Jesus. Of wine, the British poet Lord Byron once wrote this, It cheers the sad, revives the old, inspires the young, makes weariness forget its toil and fear her danger. Perhaps for those reasons, certainly for many others, wine has been for millennia the drink of celebration. In the Old Testament, wine's even used as the picture of joy. The psalmist himself says that it's been given to gladden the heart of man. Now it's true that in antiquity, because, of, because uncontaminated water was in rare supply and was hard to find and was not so predictable, wine was more than just a drink of celebration. It was used daily, it was used often, but there's no doubt that from time immemorial, it's wine that has filled cups and goblets that have been raised up in joy. In fact, so standard was wine for such occasions that the Hebrew word for banquet and for feasts, mashatha, it means drinking. And so it's no surprise that that's exactly what we see today at this wedding that we attend. A wedding that we attend through the text, this wedding in Galilee, in the town of the village of Cana. Now there's nothing that would indicate to us that this wedding banquet was anything but typical. Typical, happy people celebrating a happy occasion, a, a beaming bride, her groom, in-law sharing a drink to toast the union of these two, these two now joined together, but these two that have been and still are yet so much a very part, much a part of them. Uncles there and cousins, no doubt, longtime friends, typical. And the wedding's typical also in that as all Jewish weddings of antiquity, this particular wedding banquet would have lasted a week's time. We thought modern wedding receptions could be involved. A week's time this one was to last. The whole town was invited to the thing and it was up to the groom's family to furnish the food and, and, and the drink of the feast for all who would attend. That's where things get atypical here. The wines run out. The wines run out, not only a social faux pas, but even some suggest a legal one. For some scholars believe that it was acceptable at the time for the bride's family actually to bring legal suit against the groom and his family when things like these, these things, ran out. It's not the way to begin your happily ever after, but the wine ran out. And right along with it, so too did the happiness and the joy run out with the wine. Don't our lives often mirror the events of this day? Sometimes doesn't the wine, as it were, stop flowing? Sometimes doesn't the joy run out and run dry? Sometimes in things perhaps trivial, but certainly so often in things not so trivial, it may well have run dry because of that something that you said. And it was wrong what you said. Not thoughtful at all and it hurt and it may be because of that 
It may be because of it that now dinner glasses are raised to the lips and lowered in silence because no one's talking. Because of the offense given. Maybe the joy of life stopped flowing because the sins of another. Poor choices made. And yet, though not regretted and repented of, but but stubbornly insisted upon poor choices. Choices that deeply and for a long time drain and have drained family peace and happiness. Maybe it's because of the general condition of sin that affects and infects Every man, every woman, every infant child in all the world. It may be because of this general condition of sin, perhaps in these days at family gatherings. You raise a bittersweet glass in memory of one whom disease or war or catastrophe like that of Haiti. Death has taken away from your company. The wine stops flowing. Sometimes It's not Jesus' fault that it does. It may have been yours, something that you did or left undone, maybe me too. As it well may have been the fault of the wedding wine planner himself at Cana, or the groom's family. It may be the fault of another, as perhaps at Cana more came to the, to the wedding than were invited or expected to come. It may be something out of your hands like that. Maybe it was because in a fallen world these things just happen. And joy will sour. It's not his fault that it does though. But don't think for a second. Don't think for a minute that that he doesn't use these short fallings. Even permit them at times. And allow them at times. Don't you think he knew how much wine there was at Cana? Don't think for a minute that that he doesn't at times permit and allow these things in order that he might manifest in them and demonstrate through them his glory, his grace, his kindness. Because that's precisely what Jesus did at Cana's wedding feast. Their need was as real as any need of yours might be. Just as real. It may not seem as real to you. It may seem trivial perhaps to you. It certainly wasn't to them though. In their hour of need. In their hour of weakness. God through it shows his power. And John tells us. You can, kind of, you can picture it in, the, in our, our Cana window there. The Epiphany window. It helps us picture it. John tells us that Jesus instructed the table waiters to... To fill up with water the six stone jars used for ceremonial cleansing. Jesus said fill them up with water. Water. Jesus, they weren't short of water. And then he said go and bear it to the master of the feast. Now can't you imagine? Can't you imagine the table waiters smiling at each other when Jesus told them to fill up the jars with water? Don't you think? They crack their jokes in private amongst themselves at this upstart rabbi who appeared to be needing a bit more help himself than what he was able to provide. Sure, they smiled. Sure, they would have cracked their jokes. But then, as one has so elegantly put it, then at Jesus' word and at his bidding, Lymphopudica Deum Vidit et Eruhuit, That's to say, then the modest water saw its God and blushed. Water became wine. 
Water became wine and the wine of celebration flowed again. Do you see the good that Jesus made out of the bad? He used the occasion to demonstrate his glory. His glory, the text says, not borrowed glory. His glory. John said this miracle at Cana was the first of Jesus' signs. Now, something interesting to note about signs. Signs aren't just miracles. Signs aren't just amazing things. They're not just wonders that are done. Signs point to to the more important thing that stands behind them. And at Cana, Jesus epiphanied himself. And for us here in this hour, in Cupertino's hour... That's most important of all because it reminds us that it it wasn't for Cana's hour that Christ had come. The hour for which he'd come, he even points us to that hour in the text today. Lest our minds drift too far, he says, my hour to his mother, he said, my hour has not yet come. For that hour he came. He reminds us it wasn't for Cana's hour he'd come, that hour for which he'd came, for which he'd he'd come, Calvary's hour, that hour had yet to come. The purpose of God's coming in the flesh, you see, isn't ultimately, doesn't find its fulfillment in filled wedding cups at a banquet. The ultimate ultimate purpose of God's coming in the flesh doesn't find its, its, its fulfillment in filled bellies, filled stomachs by a miraculous catch of fish or or miraculous multiplication of bread on a hillside, it, it wasn't to be known as history's finest physician and cosmetic surgeon that Jesus came. Jesus Christ came most importantly and expressly, though he did many other things, but he came expressly to drink the bitter cup that had your name and mine written all over it, the cup that waited for him. And you see with this sign today at Cana, Jesus' first miracle here reported to us, this sign already begins to to indicate to us that there was was no other way. That you and I in time could, could drink, take up and drink heaven's cup of feasts unless God himself in the flesh drank the swill of our sin. In fact, didn't Jesus himself, didn't the Son of God even even ask this of his father. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But it didn't. So it wasn't possible. There was no other way. If there had been, there would have been no need for Cana because there would have been no need for Christmas. There certainly would have been no need for Calvary's cross or Easter's empty tomb. In fact, and I want you to think on this for a moment. If there had been another way, what an utter and awful waste of a life. It would have been for God to take on human flesh and then to suffer hell on the cross for you and for me once for all people of all time. If there had been some other way. If he simply could have told us how to do it. If all the Son of God came to do was to tell us what to do, then he certainly could have stayed home and sent a memo. But he didn't. Because he couldn't. He had this cup to drink. 
He did for us what you know well we haven't done, we couldn't do for ourselves. He lived perfectly to the last drop, filling full, or you could say fulfilling, all the law of stone requires. He did, and he did it for you. So don't try to scrub yourself clean by the the, the washing, ceremonial or otherwise, in your life of trying to earn his favor. Don't do so. He doesn't want you to. He's filled those jars to the brim already. He didn't pour himself out so that, that you would go and do that. And I use that language explicitly because it's scriptural language, pouring himself out. It's biblical language. The Lord, in fact, Isaiah says it that way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all because it pleased the Lord to crush him, mind you, and and not you, to crush him and make his soul an offering for sin. And he says he poured out his soul unto death and made intercession for the transgressions of all. Even when the day's wine, as it were, has run out, no matter whose fault, even when the wine has run out, when its celebration has run dry, the simple fact that God's Son, Christ Jesus, has poured himself out for you so that one day you can raise heaven's cup with him is enough to make all of our days still, still run red with joy. Knowing it was enough for him, St. Paul No matter the day's occasion, no matter the day's condition, St. Paul was unable to say rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. He was forgiven by his Lord. And he knew it. And it enabled him to break the silence born of hurtful words and forgive others as he'd been forgiven. He was loved by his Lord well before Paul loved Christ. You know that story and how it goes. Well before Paul loved Christ, Christ loved Paul and Paul knew it. And so he was enabled to love beyond the callousness of others. Paul was assured by his Lord's work that one day, despite what he'd been, despite what he'd done, you know that story. He was assured by his Lord's work that he too, despite it all, would raise heaven's cup, and so he was enabled to face the the, the trivial and not-so-trivial hours of life and even of death with a confidence and a courage that never need run dry, for its source wasn't in Paul. It's not in you. It was in Christ. And will he not restore to you in time that which is far better, that which he's saving until then? And as you consider today this feast at Cana, this wedding at Cana, and the trivial and perhaps the not-so-trivial troubles of its day, let it be a reminder to you too that if your Lord Jesus was willing to drink the cup for you that he drank in order to earn heaven for you, don't you think he's more than glad to fill as he knows best the cups and the jars of your life as well? And so as his mother did, you too, certainly can pray to him. Even the simplest prayer, Lord, they have no wine. Lord, they have no wine. Or Lord, as you say, as you collapse into your chair or onto your bed at the end of the day, Lord, I have no more strength. 
I have no more time. Lord, I, I have no more patience. Lord, I think I could use a better day today than I had yesterday. Lord, I think the man standing in front of me in the grocery line could use a better day today. What request is too small? Friends, if he's mindful of a sparrow falling from the air, if he's mindful of the trivial or not so trivial current count of hairs upon your head, don't you think he's just as concerned that the wine has run out or your time has run out or your strength and patience has run dry or your income? And while our prayers so often, with our prayers, we fix our minds on on the daily wines of life running out, as it were, good thing for us that he remembers those things that are far higher, that are eternal. Good thing for us that the same Christ who came to Cana and caused hearts there to believe in him comes today here to Cupertino to do the same thing. He still changes water by his word and pours out his favor over all of those who pass by the font, enabling them to believe. He still works wonders with wine. You'll witness it this morning. Still working wonders with wine underneath the sacramental fruit of the vine, bringing the very best, heaven's vintage, his blood. And also his body to your lips to forgive you of all that you've been. And all that you've done. And to assure you that this is only a foretaste of what he's saving for you. Knowing that as you approach it today. As you approach his altar modestly. No doubt that even like Cana's water. You too seeing here your God would blush, knowing what he's come to do. Skeptics are going to smile. They'll crack their jokes. So be it. That didn't stop Christ at Cana. It won't stop him here. It didn't stop the wine there. It won't stop what he brings here. I began this morning with remarks from the British poet Lord Byron about wine. But I wonder if perhaps they better apply to Christ, who is more than we can see, who's done more for us than we can know, who will do more for us than we ever could ask. I wonder if Byron's words better apply to Christ. For he cheers the sad. He revives the old and inspires the young, makes weariness Forget its toil and even fear or danger. For because you see, even when the wine of life would run out, the grace upon grace that Christ brings never will. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
sacraments, O Lord, you still manifest your presence and your divine glory among us. Enable your pastors to be faithful stewards of these gifts, and enable your people to be grateful guests as they faithfully receive and joyfully celebrate them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Christ, at the wedding of Cana in Galilee, your mother Mary directed the servants to do whatever you told them to do, and they obeyed. Grant, O Lord, such obedience to your servants today that pastors and missionaries and all who serve in your church would follow your word in all things, submitting themselves diligently unto it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Christ, at Cana in Galilee, you provided in abundance all that was lacking and more than that was needed. We thank you, Lord, for the countless gifts that you've given us, including food and clothing, shelter, and all the other necessities of life. We pray, protect us from all who would take from us what you have given to that end to bless us with good government and with effective law enforcement and a social order and institutions which uphold our Constitution and promote justice at home and protect us from adversaries abroad. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Christ, at Cana in Galilee, you blessed a husband and wife by your presence. Abide with us, O Lord, in our homes and bless our families. We thank you today for granting unto your servants David and Stephanie Bestel, a daughter Isabel Lorraine, and with them we thank you for protecting Isabel through the perils of childbirth and post-delivery complications that developed during the days of this past week, for the parental love and the medical care that she received for sustaining her unto this day, that she might be made your own through baptismal waters, we thank you, and we pray that your presence would continue to bring joy and peace to all of our families and to those of all of your people, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Christ, at Cana you show divine compassion, even for our simple earthly needs. Grant us, O Lord, compassionate hearts for all who lack the basic necessities of life. And especially today do we pray for the entire nation of Haiti, and all who today suffer so severely because of the great earthquakes which have caused devastation in this country. Hear, O Lord, the cries of your people in Haiti. Work through the nations of the world and the compassion of all to lift them from the rubble and the ruins of this devastation. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. O Christ, at Cana, your disciples learned to put their confidence in you. 
Grant steadfast faith unto us, O Lord, especially to all who are suffering, ill, injured, or undergoing medical tests, or preparing for or recovering from surgery, especially Hugh Ryan, Sonia Heidemann, Dick and Elsie Munch, Stephanie Bastel, that according to your loving kindness, we would all be sustained in faith even when our flesh grows weary. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Christ, at Cana you celebrated the union of marriage which lasts until death parts us from one another. For the greater union with you, from which even death can never part us, we thank you and we pray that those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially today the family of Terry Martin, a dear friend of Elizabeth Meyer, that we with those who have gone before us in the faith may celebrate eternal life with the saints of all earth's ages. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, Hear our, our prayer. prayer. O Christ, at Cana you provided good wine for a wedding banquet. And now you provide us, O Lord, the best wine, the wine of the sacrament, wherein your precious blood gives us a foretaste of the wedding feast to come. Prepare all who commune, that they may receive your true body and blood and be prepared by it in body and soul. Hear, O Lord, O Christ, and intercede for us with your Father in heaven, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all glory and power, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of heart and mind, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Oh, Hosanna, oh, Hosanna, oh, Hosanna in the Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior with repentant joy. We receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. 
And gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Christ's blood for the forgiveness of your sins.
gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in the holy supper of your Son's body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout the days of our pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming, we may together with all your saints celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.